You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In 1991, the current president's father, George H.W. Bush, made a point of saying that the Gulf War was no Vietnam. The connotation of the word Vietnam was ugly. It meant a quagmire, something to avoid in American foreign policy. Up until recently, the current President Bush might have argued the same way about the Iraq War. Certainly members of his administration did. But recently, President Bush said that we must stay in Iraq because if we leave, it could be like Vietnam, where after we left, there was bloodshed and people loyal to the U.S. were killed, imprisoned, or came here as refugees, as boat people. It is no short of amazing politically that the president would choose to invoke the name of Vietnam to build support for his war, simultaneously arguing that we should stay in Iraq and that we should have stayed in Vietnam is quite a rhetorical accomplishment for one's speech. Nixon, Reagan, and Clinton administration member David Gergen said about President Bush's statement, It runs the risk of people saying that if you learn so much from history, how did you ever get us involved in another quagmire? Uh, the president is right in this respect. The comparison of Vietnam to Iraq does seem to hold in many ways. Uh, first of all, length. The conflict in Iraq is now over four years old, with no end really visible at this point. Not as long as the Vietnam or American Revolutionary Wars, but just about as long as the Civil War, longer than World War I, World War II, the War of 1812, the Spanish-American War, or any other conflict. The war is being fought as much for specific issues to Iraq as it is for larger issues just like in the Vietnam War. For Vietnam, our troops were fighting communism. For Iraq, we are fighting terrorism that will explode should we leave. And the war is far away, in a very different culture than ours. The terrain is often of our enemies choosing, not the best battlefield for American firepower. And in both conflicts, we are supporting a government that has questionable support among the people who live in the country. There are a few differences. The Iraq War is very much a TV war for us now, first and foremost. Unlike Vietnam, the sheer amount of casualties in proportion to the population is fewer. But the numbers of casualties are still amounts that are shocking for modern sensibilities. But certainly, Iraq is like Vietnam enough to make the comparison. And so in that, and only in that, do I agree with President Bush. However, I would strongly disagree with President Bush's implication that the U.S. should have stayed longer in Vietnam. In making the statement that the U.S. should have stayed, President Bush is ignoring the fact that no serious policymaker or candidate was advocating that in the late 60s or early 70s even. The 1968 election was a contest between Hubert Humphrey's withdrawal plan versus Nixon's peace with honor plan. No one was arguing to stay and fight. It was only a matter of how we were going to get out. 
while Nixon's plan was a slow one, he did reduce forces over time. From day one of his presidency, he was attempting to secure a peace deal. Nixon did not surge. From moment one of his presidency, he was pulling troops out and trying for peace. Bush takes a policy position in 2007, which really didn't exist in any credible way in 1970. Now, the president is correct to say that there was massive retaliation against those who had cooperated with the government in South Vietnam with us and who had not escaped after North Vietnam invaded South Vietnam. That was indeed a tragedy. But I don't think that most Americans at that time, while not pleased with those events, would have seen our withdrawal of our troops as a tragedy. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Bruce. Listen, we all know the news headlines are full of wild stories, like how the world is tipping towards authoritarianism, all while somehow, simultaneously, freezing, flooding, and on fire. It's a lot to take in. But what if, instead of being on the brink of disaster, we're actually on the cusp of a better world? If I've got your attention, then I highly recommend tuning to a podcast that offers a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people. What Could Go Right is the acclaimed news podcast from the Progress Network. Zachary Carabell and Emma Varvalukas dive into the biggest news and most pressing topics of our time, from climate change to politics, and make the case for a brighter future. Season 5 features fascinating guests like democracy scholar Yesha Munk on the hidden perils of identity politics, and NPR anchor Steve Inskeep about the importance of talking to people who differ from you, and what Abe Lincoln learned from those conversations that helped him unify the country. It's time to ditch the doom-scrolling polarization and start focusing on some of the things going right. So check out What Could Go Right wherever you listen to podcasts. It is true to say that concern for our ally South Vietnam and what was to become of them if we were to leave did figure into the rhetoric for continuing a strong presence in Vietnam. And certainly, President Nixon invoked the name of South Vietnam many times in, in his speeches. But it paled in comparison to what was the most compelling reason for entering and for staying uh, enough to, before an, an honorable withdrawal could be secured. And that was the so-called domino effect, that if Vietnam fell to communism, so would many other countries. President Bush did not, and I believe could not, reference this domino effect in his recent statement because history proved that the main reason for Vietnam or the domino effect was false. The U.S. left Vietnam. While it's possible we suffered some short-term effects on our credibility, but I could argue that some of that resulted from just us being there so long in the quagmire, 18 years later, the Soviet Union collapsed. Indeed, not only was the domino effect a misguided notion, 
But the exact reverse may be true. Staying put in Vietnam may have been a debilitating further waste of resources which may have weakened us and stopped us from regaining our hold as a world power. For this, we have some evidence in that American strategists during the Reagan administration supported the Mujahideen in Afghanistan because they knew a continued guerrilla war there would weaken the Soviet Union. They knew it because it had happened to us. It was a chance to do to the Soviets what they did to us in Vietnam. And the Soviet Union did make an extended stay there to the detriment and destruction, eventually, of their standing as a military power. Concern for our ally in South Vietnam was not motivating Americans, nor was it motivating the leaders, except in pretense. Nixon and Kissinger ended the Vietnam War in 1973 with a treaty that was designed more for face-saving and to meet the Nixon campaign pledge of peace with honor than any design that truly helped the fledging South Vietnam state. How do we know this? Since the treaty allowed the North Vietnamese soldiers already in South Vietnam to stay there, while Americans were going to simultaneously pull out, and with the only concession being that no new North Vietnamese could go into South Vietnam. Any rational person knows that it's preposterous from any realistic military point of view that if one wants to preserve the government of South Vietnam, that you're going to remove those who could possibly do the enforcement and leave enemy troops in the territory of South Vietnam. Now, it is true that Nixon did promise air support for South Vietnam and... That air support was stripped away by Congress, but it is still hard to imagine that air support alone could have kept a country intact when there were no more troops on the ground to enforce. Concern for allies was not the priority of American government in 1973. Withdrawal that met Nixon's standard of peace with honor was all that was required. And the leader of the free world that took over after Nixon had a very different take than President Bush on Vietnam. This is what President Gerald Ford said on the fall of Saigon in 1975. Now, this is two years after Americans had withdrew, and now North Vietnam invaded South Vietnam. We are saddened, he said, indeed, by the events in Indochina. But these events, tragic as they are, portend neither the end of the world nor of America's leadership in the world. Some seem to feel that if we do not succeed in everything everywhere, then we have succeeded in nothing anywhere. I reject such polarized thinking. We can and should help others to help themselves, but the fate of responsible men and women everywhere in the final decision rests in their own hands. President Gerald Ford. And it's no surprise that before his death, President Ford was critical of President Bush and the Iraq War. So from what I've presented so far, uh, it can be said that there's no credible policy position back in the time to support what President Bush is saying now, that if President Bush were to magically go back in a time machine from 2007 to, say, 1973 and say, no, we should stay in Vietnam, there'd really be no one, including President Nixon, on his side. But one could argue, well, he still has a right to make that that statement. Fine. So where is the, the actual error that he's committing historically? Well, in suggesting that we had... If we had stayed in Vietnam, we would have won and saved, you know, saved a great amount of people. It's also a hindsight and have a cake and eat it too consideration. 
President Bush wants to rhetorically go back in time and have all the good, but none of the bad. He wishes to argue that we should have stayed in Vietnam, but not reflect on the downside. What would have been the increase in casualties if we got out, not in 1973, but say in 1975 or 1976? Keep in mind, over 50,000 people died in that war. Would additional casualties been acceptable to the American people to avoid the, the tragedy that Bush is d- describing? These are the same questions America faces in deciding if Iraq is worth it. Are continued casualties worth what we're gaining from being there in Iraq? If one is going to look at history, one has to consider all the facts. It's one of the reasons these podcasts tend to be on the longer side. It's, it's not always easy to do this. You have to kind of go back and forth and say, well, wait a minute, but there's also this and there's also this. And, you know, comparing history to the present, I think, is useful, but it also has to be done correctly. With History Beating Up Politics, I'm Bruce Carlson. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.